0: Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, my name is Isaac, host of In Doubt. We've been asked before what the name In Doubt even means. So let me explain. The Ministry of In Doubt is catered and directed towards young adults, so the 18 to 30 year range. Now, that doesn't at all mean that you know people younger or older can enjoy or benefit from our content. We know that isn't the case. But at any rate, those in between 18 and 30 can be quite literally in doubt about many things. And we're not just talking about faith, although we're definitely not not saying that. There are loads of things young adults can be in doubt about, relationships, careers, things like that. There are many big decisions to be made. And sometimes in this in doubt period, we need help to make wise and gospel-centered decisions, and that's where our ministry comes in. So that's why we're called in doubt, if you wanted to know. Anyways, this week we're talking about missions, global missions. We talk about it more in the conversation, but even the term missions has become widely used to the point where it may have lost its definition, and it seems like at at least in the North American church, we've attached missions or missional to everything. You know, we have missional home groups, missions day, missional exercising, missional coffee tasting, missional whatever. And Dwayne, our guest who works at Joshua Project, which we'll hear more about, he helps us come back to what missions is really about and what being a missionary really is. So let's get into this conversation with Dwayne Fraser. Well, with me today is Dwayne Fraser. Dwayne works uh, as a researcher for Joshua Project, which I'll let Dwayne explain uh, in a short period of time. But first, Dwayne, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? How did you come to know Jesus and where are you at now in your day-to-day
1: life? Uh, well, I was um, born in the church almost. <laughs> I grew up in a, a Christian home, a very good Christian home, and uh, attended a great church and just kind of grew up um knowing about god and just i would say my journey has been just one of kind of steps toward christ so just realizing um who god was and his grandeur and then knowing that i had to do something about that and just uh so yeah just a series of steps to him i can't really even talk about like some people talk about the day that they encountered christ for me it was very much a process so i'm sure that there's some church attenders that would have a similar story to that
0: for sure, and i I can share that with you as well. I don't think I can pinpoint a certain time when it was this dramatic experience or anything like that it was it was really like you said a, just sort of a gradual uh progress uh, in the faith um so Dwayne, you work as a researcher for Joshua Project, and as I was telling you before we uh, had this conversation i I was on Twitter uh, recently, probably in, I think in the fall, in November or something like that. And I'm, I follow John Piper and I saw that he tweeted to pray for this people group and, uh, he linked Joshua Project. So I said, Hey, what's this? So I clicked that and, and I started to look at this site and it was just incredible. So why don't you just let us know what exactly Joshua Project is? What does it do? And then after
1: that, what do you do specifically as well? Sure. Uh, so Joshua Project was begun in 1995 as a part of something called the 82,000 movement, and that is an initiative to ensure that the church was available uh, for every people group um, in the world. And so the question that should come out of that and did come out of that was, well, who are the people groups? And so they needed a list and uh, work began on that and kind of bringing together a list of the people groups that had a population cutoff at that time. That's been removed, so we have a pretty exhaustive list of every ethnic group in the world. And the reason we have that is to answer that question again: Who are the people groups? But specifically to answer, what does the Bible mean when it says to go to the nations? Um, so we understand the word nations in the in the New Testament is all, almost always comes from this Greek word ethne and so um, that you can kind of hear ethnic in that. So, missions um, is to um, to those ethnic groups, the gospel must get to all of those, those groups. So, um, yeah, we just have that list, and then an indication of whether or not the gospel is available for those people groups. Yeah,
0: and it, it's incredible. So just so our listeners can kind of get an idea, uh, I went on to Joshua Project yesterday. and I have it up on my screen right now, and I, I click Canada because uh, I'm Canadian, and I just want to say, okay, what do they have about Canada? So when I open the screen on Canada, just so our listeners can know, on my right-hand side, I see this this map of of Canada with all these little dots, colored dots all over the place in every province almost. And then to my left, I have this little chart that has these stats. So, I can see there's a number of people groups, 273. Now, when you say people groups, how how, how do you guys define people groups? Because you said you had a number there before, but
1: yeah, how does that work? That's a wonderful question, and um, it kind of comes out of um, um, definition from the 80s, actually, about what a people group is. It's very much uh, task-oriented, so it's not so much anthropological, but so any time that the gospel would inc- encounter a barrier of language or uh, or culture or something like that. So we call them a barrier of understanding or acceptance. That's how we would describe a people group then. So it, obviously, if I speak a language different than you and, and we don't have any language in common, That's a barrier to the spread of the gospel.
0: Right, exactly. So for those of you who are Canadian and you're listening to this, there's 273, according to Joshua Project, people groups in Canada. Now, 50 of those, which is 18.3 percent, this is also right here on the screen, are unreached. So my next question obviously flows from that. What do you mean by unreached people groups?
1: Sure. Uh, Just before I jump into that, um, those dots, be careful with them. Don't think, oh, this is this precise location. Sometimes they are. Often their estimates. So you can see that there's a lot of them around the city. Only one dot, the same size for each people group. Um, but to answer your question about who is unreached, for us it's a very. We deal with a lot of people groups, so we can't kind of give a narrative. So we this has to be very much a statistical thing, and we don't try to make a judgment about true followers of Christ. But what we mean by unreached would be any people group that would have Fewer than 2% evangelicals, Um, that's our closest estimation of a true Christ follower. It's imperfect, but it's our our attempt. And fewer than 5% Christian adherent. So anyone who would call themselves uh, Christian on a census form, for instance, they would say, oh, I'm Christian of any stripe.
0: Right, right. Which would obviously include probably a lot of people who are, you know, Catholic or different things like that as well.
1: Certain Orthodox, or even even if they, you know, um, Jehovah Witness or Mormons, they're in that camp too. Uh, So there's a witness of uh, Christianity. So it might be biblically based, or it might be a little bit distorted, but. But they have some exposure to the gospel message.
0: Right, exactly. That's, that's so good. And, and, you know, just again to our listeners so they can see, you know, you have the people groups there. So 273, 50 are unreached. And underneath that, you also have the total population, which really helps to see, okay, these are the actual individuals. So, you know, here's 30, over 36 million people in Canada. And then it really puts into perspective to see almost 1.6 million, which, yeah, 4.4% doesn't seem like a lot, but when you look at 1.6 million people unreached, uh, it's incredible to see. And then I scroll underneath, and then there's a list of all the different people groups and even more stats. So if you're listening, it's it's super engaging. Uh, go to a joshuaproject.net, and uh, take a look around, and just allow yourself to discover uh, these different things. But anyways, let's move on to it. I just wanted to kind of let people know how fascinating it is, all the work that you guys have done. Now, when it comes to quote-unquote missions, which is sort of the the word that we've, we've put around going out and evangelizing the gospel, uh, specifically into other kind of people groups, I feel like there are many presuppositions or just ideas held by Christian North Americans. Uh, so my question is, would you agree with that? And I'm wondering, if you do agree, can you share a few that come to mind?
1: Yeah, so uh, obviously terms get thrown around and misused, and they become... Um you know, you know, if everybody's a missionary, then nobody's a missionary. You know, if everything's missions, what is missions? So um, we would say that missions is just uh, getting the church where it's not, is maybe a really simplistic and simple uh, way to say it. Um, obviously, some of that can be evangelism. But what we mean is, you know, I referred to those kind of barriers to the gospel. It's crossing those barriers that's kind of, again, a simple way to say it. It's not taking, missions isn't really taking the gospel message of Jesus Christ to my neighbor, unless my neighbor has some, you know, there's some barriers of culture or language. Uh, I happen to have right across the street from me, Sikh neighbors um, from Pakistan. And uh, so to share the gospel to them, it's, uh, you know, that's, it, more in the territory of missions because it's taking the gospel across that uh, cultural, uh, in that case, religion, you know, barrier. So you know, Jesus sends us out. His famous last words when he was on this earth is the Great Commission. You know, he's sending us out uh, to get this gospel worldwide. You know, with no barrier to where the gospel should flow. Uh, it takes work, and that's where I think missions comes in. Missions. And evangelism, two different things, but it's born of the same uh, heart of the gospel to get that message out.
0: Yeah. Now, you said something at the very beginning of this question that I, I want to come back to because I think it's interesting. Uh, you, you say that if everyone, you know, if everyone was a missionary or everyone was missions, then there would be no actual missionaries or whatever. You We kind of play with that term a little bit. And that's kind of a trendy thing, I, I would think, in the last 10, 15 years to sort of take that idea of missions and make everybody a missionary to their neighbors and all that kind of stuff. So in considering that, what, and you just, right there at the end, you also mentioned the difference between evangelism and missions. If you could sort of help uh, change how people think about that, uh, what would you say to sort of help disconnect those two a little bit more?
1: Sure. Well, I think that sometimes... When a term uh, gets, you know, pumped up so much, we want to be a part of that uh, because it t- attaches more worth or value to what we do. But if you're uh, if you're a counselor who works with families in the body of Christ, if that's your calling, you know, that's how you're glorifying Christ. You don't have to call that missions. It's not. And that's totally fine. So um, don't call yourself a missionary if you're not a missionary. I wouldn't call myself an evangelist. In fact, I don't call myself a missionary. I work with Joshua Project, but I'm not a goer, but I'm, uh, you know, someone who's serving those who go. Yeah. That's so good. I think
0: that's helpful to, to sort of see that. Now, considering what Joshua Project does, can can you help us understand some of the facts of the unreached people groups of the world? I mean, I mentioned a bit about Canada. Uh, but it's easy for many of us to, to walk around, especially I find in Western civilization, we walk around with blinders on, unintentionally, lots of the time, but we do, and we rarely feel the weight of gospel poverty in, in, a,
1: in a global sense. I love that word that you, the phrase you just said, gospel poverty. Uh, that's um, very similar. I say the gospel deprived. Um, you know, if you you were mentioning the Vamp of um, Canada. If you pulled out, if you looked at all the world, you'd see that, you know, your listeners are not mostly in an area where the unreached are, where the gospel deprived are, the gospel poor. If you pull out and can see the whole world on Joshua Project's website, which you can, you'll see that, you know, we're, there's a very much a, um, an element of going in the Great Commission. We're not going to encounter these people unless we go. There's some statistics out there that say, I think it's around 81% of all the Muslims, all the Buddhists, and all the Hindus don't personally know a Christian. So guess what? In order to get the message to them, there's going to be some travel involved by someone. We have to go. Because, again, if you look at the map of um, Canada, as you said, they're they're not unreached, you know, your your province is not unreached. Your neighborhood is not unreached with the gospel. The people groups are unreached or reached with the gospel. And so you're gonna find them in what we call what we used to call and kind of still refer to the 1040 window. It's just this area of the world that is so gospel poor. And we need to focus as a gospel as a as a church body on that area of the world.
0: I've heard that said, but uh, where is that area?
1: So the 1040 window, it's talking about coordinates, you know, latitude and longitudinal, 10, 10 degrees um, north and 40 degrees south of the equator. And then its borders extend from kind of uh, the the western, the, you know, the northwest of Africa and extends over to um, Indonesia, and it includes um, north. North Korea. It's kind of an imperfect window, but if you would look at the dots in the global perspective, you wouldn't need me to draw that out. You would see that automatically. You'd see a lot of red dots, and showing that there's unreached groups there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now I want to talk a little bit more in in just a moment about how someone you know kind of knows if they should be doing that kind of stuff. And I think I think you'd enjoy talking into that. But before we get there, Dwayne. When you think of the last two decades, let's say, do you see an increase or a decrease in both the awareness uh, of missions, uh, but also the involvement in missions and and why?
1: Uh, it's interesting if you had asked me that um, a decade ago, I think I might have talked about a decrease. Um, even the term unreached was kind of uh, falling out of vogue. It was kind of came up into the, in the 70s uh, with a, you know, kind of a highlight in the Lausanne movement and the, the um, U.S. Center for World Mission. Um, Dr. Ralph Winter talked about the, the term and he, the need. And so it seemed like uh, a decade ago, people were kind of been there, done that. Um, there's been a resurgence, you know, but partially because of people like John Piper, Louis Giglio, uh, David Platt, uh, who are um, kind of beating that drum again and saying, hey, let's get back to this. We, we're not finished, you know, and there's a lot of work to do. And um, I am encouraged by millennials who are saying, let's do something about this, you know. Um, let's, let's go where it's difficult. It's increasingly difficult to go to the unreached because they're – they're the the last. they're the they're in the hardest places. There's you know the the contexts are the most difficult,
0: yeah, for sure. Now, I want to jump now to that to that next question. You know it, it is a more personal and practical question, but it's as simple as how does one know if they're to do cross-cultural missions? So if someone's listening right now and they're so encouraged by what they've heard, how can they know this is for them? and And before you answer that, too, I, just to kind of add on another little piece into that, I feel like for some people, and maybe you've encountered this as well when talking to, let's say, millennials or or anybody really who's interested in missions, but there is this adventure and kind of excitement uh, about going someplace, maybe it's dangerous physically, uh, maybe a place of high persecution to preach the gospel, but I wouldn't, I'm just thinking right now in my head, I wouldn't uh, want to be motivated more about the adventurous side, but I would want to be so motivated by the gospel itself to actually go and and reach these people rather than just sort of the adventurous side, because there's lots of millennials that would love to hop on a plane, you know, get out of their routine and go and go to a different uh, country for a while uh, to be able to live this different life. So anyways, all of that, I'll, I'll let you kind of tackle it as as you heard that.
1: I love what you were just talking about, that it's not just this adventure. Um, my own experience, my own adventure, so to speak, is was just a very, it's kind of a boring thing, but I felt like I was caught in God's tractor beam as far as missions is concerned. I, I came into the missions world kicking and screaming, actually, and um, just kind of saying, what's this big deal with missions? and And God just uh, brought me into it. And it was really just a case of simple obedience. So, how do you know if you're called to cross cultural missions? This is really simple. Are you called to follow Christ? Um, Then you're called to cross cultural missions. Now, I want to kind of uh, specify what I mean by that. And I don't, again, not everybody should go. It's kind of like a, You know, like, I think about World War II. There were a lot of people, a lot of Americans, for instance, Talk, I just was watching a a documentary about that. A lot of people that just stayed here in the United States, of course, and they were just helping that war effort. They weren't going. They weren't the boots on the ground. And so, yet uh, Christ called all his followers. If you read the New Testament and and read how he's calling people and interacting with people. He's never just saying, you know, just go play golf on the weekends. You know, he's calling them to something. He's always calling them to be a witness. So so you should be doing that. Any of us should be doing that where we're at. And then we should be taking the gospel. You know, um, the, you know Acts 1-8 talks about how we would go to Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Some people see that as a first. You go to you know your nearby geographical Jerusalem, and then you go out farther, and then you go out farther. No, that's a very much. There's some elements of crossing those barriers. There's there's a cultural distinction between a Jew in Jerusalem or Judea, and the Gentiles in Judea, and the hated Samaritans. You know. So there's stuff in there that's talking about that cross-cultural missions. So how are you going to be a part of it? Well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, For some of us, it's not going. I sit in a comfortable office with a great view of Pikes Peak here in Colorado Springs. And I use skills that I didn't really (laughs) know I had, actually. And that's how I do it. And to tell you the truth, a lot of it is mundane It can be very boring. Yesterday, I was doing a very boring task. You know what? I'm excited about it because that helps put literally what I was doing yesterday helps put the dots on that map. So um, yeah, we're all called to it. It's just a question of how am I called to it? What skills, abilities, interests has God given me to use for his task?
0: That's so good. I love that. Uh, as we conclude, Dwayne, I-, I was wondering if you would, uh, wouldn't mind sharing with us a story of just the power of the gospel in missions, because I'm sure that through uh, Joshua Project, you've heard uh, stories of maybe people writing in or, or or what have you.
1: More people need to write in because sometimes we don't get that. But <laughs> I want to tell you a really exciting story about something um, that has to do with, you mentioned the you know, what John Piper had mentioned about uh, an unreached of the day. We have an app called the unreached of the day. And you can find that in the app stores. Someone found that and uh, was meeting in a prayer meeting with, uh, and there was a Kenyan pastor there. And she was talking to him and said, hey, let's see if there's any Kenyan unreached people groups in this app. And there was. Um, And so uh, he said, she kind of challenged him and he took up the challenge to, uh, you know, go to that people group that his church would take the responsibility from Nairobi to go down near the coast and reach this group. And so he got on a plane and on a bus and on a, in a taxi and a canoe and then on a motorbike. And he even had to dress as a cop at one point because of a terrorist a terrorist group in the area. You know what? He got the gospel to that small uh, people group in Kenya. And they responded immediately. They were ready. They wanted that. They needed something. They needed that message of Christ. Who was going to take it? Uh, Someone stepped up. And that just, that's what gets me motivated every day.
0: That's so cool. That's what helps you, like you did yesterday, sit down and do a really boring,
1: mundane task. That's exactly right.
0: (laughs) That's so good. Well, Dwayne, it's been such a great pleasure to talk with you about uh, Global Missions and Joshua Project. Uh, I just want to thank you. I'm sure our listeners would also thank you and the fellow servants at Joshua Project for your just incredible work uh, that really is an astounding resource for uh, individual Christians, uh, churches, organizations, uh, obviously for that church uh, that you were just talking about as well. Uh, if you are interested, joshuaproject.net, it's that simple, go there, you could literally spend hours, lots of us millennials, we like to go on our phones, you know, before bed, which is not a good idea, but if you are still in the habit of doing that, go on joshuaproject.net, and you can literally spend just as much time on there than as you do on Facebook and everything like that. There's just an endless amount of information and resources. There. And also, uh, Dwayne was just talking about that app, uh, Unreached of the Day. Uh, you can find that on the iTunes Store. And I'll also put the links for everything on the episode page. But, anyways, Dwayne, I want to just thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me.
1: Isaac, thanks for the opportunity to share.
0: That was Dwayne Fraser from Joshua Project. The links to the Joshua Project website and the app, Unreached of the Day, uh, can be found on our episode page. In addition to what Dwayne has talked to us about already in this conversation, I'd like to give all of us just a peek at one unreached people group and the reality they face. So I'm going to use the Unreached for the Day app and we'll see who shows up. Well, The featured people group today is the Badi people living mostly in central to northeast India. Their population here is over 625,000 with, according to Joshua Project, just a small group of believers. And the worldview or religion that captivates the majority of the body people is hinduism also many body people cannot read which means when the gospel is presented it can't mainly be done with just you know tracks or handing out bibles which means that some creativity is needed wherever you are right now maybe you're driving on the bus walking hanging out at your home i want to invite you as another young adult To join with me in taking a short moment after this program to ask that God would move powerfully among the Badi people. Joshua Project provides outreach ideas and prayer points to help us in our consideration and prayers for the various unreached people groups, and in this case the Badi people. Joshua Project writes in terms of outreach ideas that teachers can help educate Badi children and instruct adults in new job skills. Films and radio programs are available in Hindi, the main language of the Badi. In terms of prayers, they say pray for deliverance from the fear that hinders God's blessing from affecting Badi communities. They also say pray for God's blessing, strengthening, and healing of families and communities within the Badi people. Lastly, there is a small group of Badi believers, so pray that they might be trained in the ways of the Lord and be led to share the gospel with their brothers and sisters. So I want to invite you to take a moment after this program just to pray for the Badi people. Well, shifting gears as we wrap up, Everything we do at In Doubt, it costs us, as you'd imagine. Yet we give it out for free. We rely on God's provision through generous donors who believe in our mission to really, you know, bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith today. If you're interested in making a financial donation, just head to our site and click the donate button. We'd be so appreciative. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we hear from Andrew Rokeby, a new missionary who is preparing with his family to make disciples in Japan. See you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Ben Lowell, Director of Good News Global Media's Indoubt. If you listen to today's program, you're either a young person looking to understand how the Bible speaks to current issues of life, faith and culture, or you're someone passionate to see young people grow in their walk with Jesus and understand the Bible. We want to thank you for being with us and encourage you to touch base by emailing info at or in the US info at indoubt.com. Also we want to let you know that Indoubt is a ministry that only exists through the support of donors. So every gift of any amount means so much. For more information, visit indoubt.ca or in the US, indoubt.com.